1: welcome to episode 3 of the SJP Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Si, and I want to thank you yet again for pressing the play button. As you may have seen on the show's social media this month, we are looking at past Clash of the Champions events. Uh, We aim to finish the month with a look at WWE's newest Clash show. But today, we are starting with a look back some 30 plus years at Clash of the Champions 6 and also the WWF show promoted on the same day, WrestleMania v. I am joined by Conrad Newton of Chops, Kicks and who had never actually seen Clash of the Champions 6, including the stellar main event between Ric Flair and Rick Steamboat, before this week. This leads to a very interesting discussion as Conrad looks at this older event through fresh eyes. During recording, we did experience a few small issues with Conrad's mic, Um, so apologies for these minimal moments, but I am sure you will still thoroughly enjoy today's show. Uh, You can find the show and follow us on Facebook and Twitter, at SJP Wrestling Pod. Please seek the show out, um, use the social media links there, and let me know what you think. Anyway, um, short intro this week, enough of me waffling on, nobody wants to hear that. Let's get to dis- today's discussion with the excellent Conrad Newton. Mr. Conrad Newton, hello. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Uh, I'm very excited
0: to be on this show. Kind of uh, gave me a new wrestling okay. to watch. I'm very thankful for um, inviting me on the show.
1: Yeah, excellent. I mean, a little background for those who are unaware. Um, The first time I spoke with Conrad was on uh, Talk at the Table, a show that Conrad's on. I I believe you're on there most weeks, aren't you, or every week with um, a couple of the other guys from the network? Uh, Yeah, every every two weeks with uh, Matt and Max. That's right. I was a guest on there. That's the first time I spoke with you. And uh, I, I was amazed for somebody of your very young age, the level of maturity, intelligence and knowledge you had. Just being able to discuss all things wrestling, it really took me took me back. So, uh, you know, I thought, well, I've got to get this guy on, have a chat with him. And when I found out um, that you haven't seen a great deal of old NWA or old WCW events, I thought it's the perfect time to bring you on because we're just starting um what i'm referring to as clash of the champions month on the show throughout september we're going to be looking at a lot of a lot of clash of the champions events and I thought well that's perfect to bring you on and we can view a an old clash show almost through new new eyes if that makes sense yeah okay um today we're going to be looking at all things april 2nd 1989 that's the date wrestlemania 5 and clash of the champions 6 we're both uh broadcast clashing and you know trying to uh, outdo each other but before we get on to that so i'll set the uh set the mood i suppose for that sort of era and have a little look and i suppose a little joke at my own expense with um how much how many years older than you i am <laughs> we'll have a little run through of a few things that were going on in 1989 and just say if you if you know them you're aware of them or anything like that just sort of get a little feedback as to a You know, see what you recognise if that makes sense. If if that's okay, Conrad. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, First of all, start with a bit of TV, shall we? In nineteen eighty nine, the last episode of the original run of Doctor Who aired. The last episode of Blackadder aired. The last episode of Emmerdale being referred to as Emmerdale Farm aired, and the last episode of Newsround, hosted by the. original guy john craven aired does any of that ring a bell for you or is that much 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 before your years okay um yeah so um
0: obviously emma dale play a staple of british tv at this point like every pretty much every day of the week um doctor who obviously everybody's familiar with and news round was a staple of kind of my early school years so i'm familiar with those three shows, and. Um, I haven't gone back and watched neither, like, the older, like, episodes of those shows, but I I might at some point... You're not not
1: missing a great deal. I'm not not going to lie. At the time, it was great for me growing up, but looking back, you're not missing a great deal, I'll be honest. (laughs) It's all... A lot of it hasn't aged well. Um, (laughs) Also with uh, TV, um, Coronation Street aired its 3,000th episode in 1989. Uh, another episode of Corrie actually drew in twenty-seven million viewers for one episode, which is absolutely astounding, I think. You know, especially when you look at what people are bickering about online now with the likes of AEW drawing in nine hundred thousand or whatever, twenty-seven million viewers is obviously it was a different time, not as many options on television, but I still think that's a staggering number. Um, the first episode of Home and Away aired in the UK. The first episode of Maid Marion and a Merry Men aired. You ever heard of Maid Marion and a Merry Men, Comrade? Uh, I can't say I have. I've heard of Clare. Nah. <laughs> it, uh, it, it was a kids' programme. Uh, it was I, a kids' programme I loved when I was sort of nine, ten years old. Um, and it basically portrayed Robin Hood as a, a big scaredy-cat coward. And Maid Marian was actually the hero of the piece. Sort of like a comedy kids' programme. I, I loved it. But again, you go back and watch these things now, they have not dated very well at all. So, <laughs> um, top movers at that time. The uh, one of the earlier Batman films with Michael Keaton playing Batman, and in Jones and the Last Crusade were probably the top movies of the year. And in the in the charts in music, um, Black Box, Kylie Minogue, and Jason Donovan were you know selling millions of records. Um, Madonna with Like a Prayer was selling selling millions of records and so on. Um, you're a Black Box fan, comrade, or you're not really sure about them either. Uh, not too sure about them i am kind of very
0: 2000s in terms of my music
1: yeah yeah but yeah. I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense that makes a lot of sense i just thought we'd have a little look into that i'm always interested with things like this and you know what people remember and so on um and also it ages me greatly uh talking about these things and with a guest as clued up as yourself and you're sort of saying "Nah, i don't really remember those." so si. it makes me feel about a million years old but there we go what can i do <laughs> <laughs> Okay, moving on to our topic then. All things April 2nd, 1989. Um, first of all, WrestleMania 5, Crash for the Champions 6. Um, you watched both shows back this week. What were your first thoughts?
0: Um, I'll be honest. I kind of went into the show thinking, like, I wasn't going to. I went in, like, really negative about it because, like, the stuff that. Um, like I've watched stuff from, like, the 90s with my dad, and obviously, like, this is going back even further, and I was thinking, oh, it's going to be, like, really, really slow, and it's going to be. Um and it, it's going to be really hit and miss. And in some areas, yeah, it was. But then in other areas, I was really pleasantly surprised at like the quality of, like the storytelling and kind of how they got less, how they got much more, um, like of a reaction from the crowd, doing much less than what we get like nowadays with like, um, a bunch of spots thrown uh, together in a match. It was kind of a much different pacing, which is obviously, um, with modern sensibilities, it's really hit you, um, from the get go. But I've, I'm. I
1: enjoyed both shows. Yeah. Okay. Great. Okay. Uh, what were the main? Um, what would you say, looking back, sort of fresh eyes upon it, sort eyes, twenty twenty eyes now, looking back on these shows, what what would you sort of pinpoint as the biggest differences between the two companies? I mean, nineteen eighty nine was a big year for the WWF. WrestleMania Five did great numbers, um, and also, but in ring, nineteen eighty nine was probably the best. Year for the NWA turning into WCW and so on, with regards to the, the the quality of matches they were putting out. But just from a viewer looking back at the two different shows, the production and so on, what what was what was the biggest differences you, you sort of saw viewing these shows now, so many years later? um In terms of kind of like the production and kind of
0: uh, like the camera work and stuff, I think I prefer um, like these shows to what we get now. Um, oh, okay, it was kind that's of interesting. There weren't as many, like, camera cuts as what we get, and it was all kind of, um, I think, on the Clash of Champions, well, both commentary teams did really, really good, I think they both worked really well together. Um, and I, um, with the Clash of Champions show, I couldn't really pick out any glaring faults all the all the way through in terms of how it was shot. Um, it was very easy to follow. Um, there weren't too many um, cuts, and then the, like, there were some, obviously, where it was a bit... Um, difficult to follow but it was really quickly covered up and it was just moved on from really well and nobody focused on it um, which is good um, mm-hmm. in terms of like the in-ring quality um, I think um it was uh, Clash of Champions was kind of head and shoulders just for the main event and I think there was um, the opening match really got me kind of invested in the show as a whole and while there was a fair a filler after that I think the, um, the match with the Great Muter um he like the showcase match that he had while it was short it really did a good job of kind of showcasing his talents and obviously the very um almost universally acclaimed main event between um flair and steamboat excellent really really good really well paid. and it told a brilliant story um and mania 5 while the in-ring action wasn't kind of on par with the nwa at least in my opinion it was more of an entertainment show with like some really good wrestling and like everything kind of made sense and again it was kind of doing less means getting more of a reaction
1: yeah no no I I can see where you're coming from I mean you talk about the main event there of um, the Clash show for me it's very much a a one match show the Clash it's it's a one match card the main event um, it dominates the whole the whole program it's I mean it's it's over 55 minutes long out of I think it's a 90 minute program in total the Clash event so that shows how much it dominates there, um, and the in-ring standard of that Steamboat Flare match. I mean, everyone talks about the trilogy from from '89, and I'm a huge, huge Flair fan. Anyway, I mean, he's he's right up there on, you know, he's, he's well he was one of my first picks on my Mount Rushmore. A little shout out to Mags there. Um, he's he's, you know, probably my all-time fave. So anything Flair does, I think is absolutely fantastic. I mean, the quality of that match is superb. But then again, you you mention little touches getting reactions from the crowd. You jump across to the other the other channel, I suppose, or the other side, and you look at their main event with Hogan Savage. Hogan was a master at this, wasn't he? Just little little gestures, little movements. Look, even just a facial expression, and the crowd would just go absolutely insane for the guy. Um, what did you think of the the Savage Hogan match itself? You know. Maybe as a stand not not in comparison to Steamboat Flags. I think comparing anything to that on these two shows could be a bit a bit tricky because of the standard of that. But what did you think of the Hogan Savage main event uh, from a WWE or WWF standpoint as a main event itself?
0: Um, I think it served its purpose really well. Um, I actually went back and watched it twice because the first time I watched it and I was kind of like, well, it wasn't as good as I thought it'd be, but I was I was really tired when I watched it, so I watched it again literally. About half an hour, ago. and um, and I actually, really kind of found that it worked on so many levels and everything. Um, you had Savage; he kind of took control of a lot of lot of the match, and Miss Elizabeth played, um, the part really well. Like her involvement in the match was great. Um, I really, as much as everybody kind of craps on Hogan nowadays for kind of our oh, Hogan, Hogan won everything back in the day. I think having him kick out of the elbow drop just for that reaction because I think the feud and kind of like the excellent slow burn. Um, story that they had building up to this match kind of warranted that big moment, and um, obviously Hogan kind of standing tall was a nice little feel-good moment to um, to end the show. As much, um, even though I've seen some people say that Savage probably, from a business point, it would have been good if he retained there. But um, yeah, from a wrestling standpoint, from a storytelling standpoint, I think it really, really did a good job at closing that kind of um, it was eighteen minutes, wasn't it? Yeah, make a story.
1: Sorry, so yeah. Last bit again, you broke up a little bit again, then sorry.
0: It was um, it was a year or a year and a half or something, wasn't it? The Mega Powers. Yeah, the yeah.
1: The, the whole, I mean, that was that was such a well done storyline over such a long period of time. Again, uh, as you said, I mean, a real good way of summing up just tiny little touches that they would do, um, sowing the seeds of the Savage turn and the, the paranoia with regards to Hogan and Elizabeth from Savage's viewpoint, through Savage's eyes. And it built to this moment perfectly. I mean, you, you explained that really well. Um, the Hogan kicking out. I'm torn upon this. Um, when I was younger and I watched this event, that got a reaction out of me as a kid watching, and even now, um, as a as, as an adult as a grown up watching, it still does get a, you know that sort of goosebump moment for me. But now I'm a bit older and I sort of understand how uh, how these things work a little bit better. I just think, oh man that's that's a guy who's, that's a guy's finisher, and you, you're kicking out and standing up straight after it and so on. but I mean, I, I understand the purpose for it. I understand the reason for it. It's just a little bugbear of mine on a on a more personal level, I suppose. Um, but yeah, again, I, I think the I mean Hogan was red hot at this stage, wasn't he? Absolutely red hot. He could He could virtually do no wrong. Um, and their match was the longest on the WrestleMania Five show uh just over 20 minutes it clocked in at um sorry no just over just over 17 minutes it clocked in at. um but there was only two matches on the whole event that actually went over 10 minutes i mean there's 14 matches on that wrestlemania 5 card as opposed to the handful we get on the clash clash show and they're all running at like two minutes here three minutes there four minutes here And then the Hogan match goes 17 and Beefcake um, in his match earlier in the card, Brutus Beefcake, his match goes just over 10 minutes. Every every other match is very, very short. Um, Partway through the event, obviously, we have sort of a, I suppose you can call it an entertainment interlude, potentially. We have the whole brother love show, Piper's Pit crossover um, with uh, Danny Jr. as the guest. Um, then we have a No Holds Barred ad, an interview with Donald Trump, um, uh, all before we carry on with uh, Jake Roberts Andre. Uh, to me, this is very, very much of its time, very much entertainment of its time, of 1989 with Piper and Brother Love and so on. What, uh, and the No Holds Barred advert. What did you think uh, of that sort of, uh, I mean, it must have been a good 25 minutes of the pay-per-view was dedicated to these these non-wrestling segments that all ran back to back how did you find that watching back um it was again it was like it was a bit of a shock kind of because
0: obviously wrestlemania these days it's very rare that you get like much of an interlude it's literally matches 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 and maybe an interview segment here and there um but i think because um that kind of interlude came just after the um the strike force split up yeah that's right yeah Yes, yeah, so I think that was kind of a good job because it allows the audience to still be entertained, but then also kind of let that sink in. The fact that um, the fact that Marcel had just walked out um, and kind of ended the Strikeforce um, team and obviously give um, kind of build up a little bit of anticipation for the, um, we'll kind of keep the crowd hot because obviously Roddy Piper was good at his job, like really, really good promo and could do that. Um yeah, I think it was kind of a nice little, nice little break from the action, and it was, it was a nice like change of pace from obviously watching WrestleMania this year compared to like this show. And I think I kind of like it. I wish they did it now, like even if it's like just for like five ten minutes where we just have a little bit of a a break with like some in ring kind of talk show kind of style segment.
1: Yeah, no, no, again that makes a lot of sense. Almost like um, almost like your little breather, isn't it? But between. Um, so, I mean certain WrestleManias certain, certain pay-per-views you will have a double main event or you'll have two or three matches that could be worthy of being the main event and you almost need like that lull to bring the crowd down before you bring them back up again before they're too tired and so on I just find that all these segments together especially the the Brother Love Piper's Pit segment my god did it go on you know it could have been so much shorter and still served its purpose you know it just I'm just sat there watching thinking I can't believe I've got poor Conrad to watch this I felt so bad yeah. <laughs> um yeah, Got looking back at the clash event itself again then, um you mentioned about the Great Muta match. Um do you know much of Muta before this? Was this was this the first viewing or are you aware of his work? I understand you watch quite a lot of Japanese wrestling anyway.
0: Um yeah, I was kind of aware of his work. I've got I've watched some of his um stuff from the nineties and I've watched some of the stuff that he's doing now and um well, obviously, knowing what he did, what he, knowing what he's doing now, it kind of takes a bit of the shine off what he did back then. But um, yeah, I'm uh, familiar with some of his work, um, and this kind of um, at some points I thought he, he wasn't as motivated, and I think um, that's been a complaint by, or well, like, and a point made by quite a few people that he wasn't as motivated at some points when he was in America in comparison to Japan, but. Um, yeah, it was a great showcase match for him. Um, some of the stuff that he was doing, like the um, the mule kick to the stomach, like from that standing position, and mm. the um, the fact that they um, Michael Hayes really played up the um, the moonsault as well as we know it now, and he was just calling it the flip off. I feel that kind of really showed that it was kind of a revolutionary thing, and it was like something really different from what had re- typically been seen.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you look at I suppose just in comparison to the the Clash show that Muta was on uh, and talking about the, the moonsault stroke backflip, as it was referred to. You look at guys like the Iron Sheik. Um, you look at guys like, I don't know, um, Dan Spivey and uh, Kevin Sullivan and so on, who, who were on that event. It was revolutionary. Re- revolutionary, sorry. It was something that you wouldn't necessarily have seen before or at least very often. I think mean, that's why he really stood out. And of course, you had the whole face paint and the mist blowing around and Gary Hart was with him as well. He was always a strong personality also. Um, I mean, with regards to, to Gary Hart, did did you notice across the two events, um, something that maybe we don't get as much nowadays in comparison um, with the number of managers?
0: Yeah. Um, and as with a lot of things, it was a really, really, really nice to see. And um Especially like in the opening tag match, and uh, I feel uh, poorly dangerously, or Paul Heyman, um, and Jim Cornette as much as much stick as he gets. He he was bloody good at his job, um, yep. and so so was um, Paulie. And it was it's just nice to see, um, especially when manage, managers have been kind of largely phased out in the modern uh, modern scene.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the comparison is incredible. But the difference between these two events and what we're seeing now. I mean, the the, the Clash event um from memory, I believe it's only Flair and Steamboat that don't have somebody at ringside in one manner or another, whether it's a manager or a valet or just somebody accompanying a wrestler. So that's that's to me is quite astounding. I mean, even with the Flair Steamboat match, Steamboat's family still comes down to the ring with him and then takes a seat, I guess. So that that's a complete contrast to what we're seeing now. And WrestleMania was was very much the same. As I mentioned, 14 matches on this incredibly huge event. Um, only two of them didn't have people along, uh, people at ringside. I mean, even the match where a manager himself, in Bobby Heenan, was wrestling, you had another manager on the, uh, sorry, another wrestler on the outside acting as his second. It, it's such a contrast to what you're seeing now, and I'm a big fan of that. I think that these guys can add so much. And you mentioned Cornet and Heyman there; they're two of the best, aren't they? It, it was it's great seeing them in that opening tag match. Um, of the Clash show. With regards to that opening tag match, um, what did you think of, say, the the Samoan SWAT team? Have you seen much of those? I mean, I, I've, I've watched a lot of old NWA, um, NWA events and matches, um, and I've not seen masses of them. Uh, so I quite enjoyed seeing this because they went a good 20 minutes. So it's, it was a good chance to see them in action, not just for a few minutes here and there that I have on other events.
0: Um, yeah, it was, I'm in the same boat. I haven't really seen much of the spot team, or have seen some of the mid, and kind of just passing over old stuff. But um, yeah, um, I think uh, Amu and Lane had a really good kind of opening exchange, and um, the the tennis racket shot was kind of missed, um, and that was kind of one of the first kind of awkward camera shots. But I feel that kind of added to the authenticity that it wasn't kind of um, wasn't really it's kind of just an out at the moment thing which I feel was really, really good to have rather than kind of what you get now in the um, the occasions where managers are involved and um, and like the cameras straight away there to kind of see what's happening. Um, I feel that they, did, they didn't they did overstep, they added to the match. Um, I like the fact that the Samoans kind of slowed down while uh, Midnight Express were kind of more kind of high speed and trying to keep a pace to kind of um, work their sort, both teams working their sort of match and I feel it really kind of, worked and um the finish the rocket launcher um kind of missed and uh, poorly um using the phone well poorly being used led to the pin which um it's a good good opener um it did did feel a bit slow in areas but overall is good good stuff
1: yeah i think i think that's um a sign of the era though isn't it uh it's yeah. a lot of these matches do seem for me in comparison to modern day And even uh, for 1989 in comparison to WWF, when we're looking at um, the WrestleMania 5 show of the same day, some of the NWA stuff from around that era, you do get these kind of lulls where the performers do seem to slow it down and drag it out a bit longer. When you're thinking, looking at more the, the modern product, they would shave that off. They would make the match shorter. They'd go to something else afterwards then and use that time elsewhere. But I don't mind it. I quite. I would rather watch wrestling in the ring than have it cutting to other things and so on and using those minutes elsewhere. I, I thought it was a very good opener as well. I mean, uh, I'm a big Midnight Express fan. I mean, the tag team scene in 1989 was fantastic on both sides of the divide with the NWA and the the WWF. And again, that, uh, the same as with the managers. That's something that I really noticed watching these two pay per views back. That sorry, one pay per view and the Clash event. Um, that is so different in contrast to modern day I and mean, you, you run through the cards you've got the heart foundation you've got the swan swap team you've got the midnight express you've got all these tag teams um the rougeos the rockers the twin towers you, you put that into some form of comparison with today's product when they when the WWF has a much larger roster than it did back in 89 it's, it's night and day, isn't it? The two tag team scenes, yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: yeah, it's just it's great to see kind of how much tag wrestling was kind of used and kind of appreciated back. Um, and you look now, it's um, I kind of there was kind of like that equal kind of footing and um, with all the major companies, but like obviously, yeah, doing well, a lot of their appeal in the mainstream is because they're focused on tag team wrestling
1: but when WWE do good tag matches they do do good tag matches to say the least Yeah I mean again you know, I suppose it's quite ironic because I'm talking about comparing the two eras but you look at say um FTR and I they're very much a throwback to this era I mean we had Arn and Tully on, on the show we watched as well didn't we um and of their tag matches are fantastic but to to me the the amount of teams available in 89 to both companies Mm -hmm. is astounding in comparison to to what we see today i guess um what did you think of the lighting i know this is a bit of an obscure odd question but I, i i will follow it up with where i'm going what did you think of the lighting of the two shows between wrestlemania 5 and clash 6 um the reason I ask is obviously Clash is lit in a certain way for a certain reason, which I'll, I'll explain in a moment. But uh, yeah, did you notice a, a big difference there?
0: Um, yeah, I noticed NW, um, the NWA show. Um, they were kind of the lighting was more focused on the ring with um, kind of like kind of dimmer lighting on the crowd, which yeah. I feel kind of added to it. Um, kind of drew the attention of the viewers to the ring. And um, stuff, which um, was different, obviously, to the um, WWF, but they were in a much bigger, um, much bigger arena, and sort of like um kind of lit everywhere. But um, I think I prefer, yeah I think the I NWA because it brought that more attention to the um, the ring, and it kind of shone a light onto the performance. I feel as as it should, really.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is this is where it's going to be a bit, um, maybe a little bit of a. Uh, an eye opener and, and potentially shock you a little bit as to what was going on that particular week month sort of run up to the clash event with the NWA. Um, the reason the show was lit that way is because they didn't sell any tickets. They, um, The WrestleMania venue was obviously the Trump Plaza, the same as WrestleMania um, 4 the previous year. And they had pushing 19,000 people in there, which was slightly down from... The previous years WrestleMania, the Clash event had um, a, a recorded attendance of 5,300. The issue there is that they only had 1,300 actually pay. 4,000 of them were comp tickets. Um, the venue they booked was, believe it or not, and again, this is the sort of magic of television, I guess, and the reason I asked about the lighting, the reason it was lit so... So much focused on the ring and not around the the crowd or the seating, was because they are actually in a dome that took seventy thousand people ish. You will take you know because you're on a, you're on a pitch and so on as well. So it's going to be a bit of leeway either way. But you're in a dome of seventy thousand people uh, in New Orleans, and the day before the show, they'd only sold nine hundred tickets. Um, the reason behind this, and this is where I, I'm absolutely astounded that WCW, NWA and so on ran ran like it did for so long, um, the, the event wasn't publicised. Um, I'm not sure if you're aware of any of this, but the event was not publicised at all. The, the house shows at the time had the main event of Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat. Um, they didn't want... The, the, the guy who was booking the house shows didn't want to publicise that his main event on house shows was going to be shown on free television um, in this big clash event on, on that, that particular weekend. So it wasn't publicised until a few days before, maybe even a week before. So you had this 70,000, potentially 70,000 seater venue, um, this incredible main event, and build up to this this huge world title contest, and the right hand didn't know what the left hand was doing, And the guy who made the decision to not promote the house shows, sorry, not promote the TV show because of the house the concern of the house shows and it might harm his attendance, ended up losing his job over that uh, Not not the best move, but um... no, absolutely insane. when I, when I read that doing my little bit of research, I was absolutely astounded. Absolutely. It blew my mind that it wasn't uh, it wasn't promoted better. I mean, can you imagine? uh, Well, could you imagine Vince McMahon doing that? He's running a show this big and just not even publicizing the event. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, well, like just kind of promoting like the undercard, and like a few days before, kind of oh yeah, just heads up, just heads up, you know, Hogan and Savage for
1: the um, for the world title. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it, the TV rating um, for the Clash show um, on TBS, I believe it was on, wasn't it, TBS? Yeah. It came in, uh, I think it was a 4 or 4.3, which made it the worst rating a Clash show has had up to that point. Um, attendance-wise, it, yeah, it pulled in 5,300. Granted, very, very few of those paid, a very small percentage of those paid. The attendance-wise, the actual people in the building were were similar to clash events of around that time anyway. When they were running smaller, smaller venues, it just seems like an absolutely baffling business decision by the NWA to be booking this huge arena, and then it, it must have been like just a, a massive chasm of space and sound bouncing around because there was nobody in there. It, it absolutely baffles me. And then you look at what Marm was doing on the other channel all those people, all those celebrities, the lights, the place for, you know, for that era looked incredible. Um, it really hurt the, the NWA running against McMahon on this occasion. Um, because they went out of their way to try and hurt his pay-per-view there, but there's a long story of back and forth with that of different events, but this was their sort of rebuttal to McMahon doing that to them previously. Um, they tried to, uh, it was their decision to run the event that day of WrestleMania. And it really did turn and just bite them in the ass. It really has. And then they obviously didn't then run up against McMahon again for a very, very long time until the sort of the start of the Monday Night Wars. So I think they must have learned their lesson there.
0: Yeah, I think um, what kind of hurt them more, like not only choosing to run on that day, um, but apparently I think Vince kind of showed that he wasn't messing about because uh, I read that um, after... I think it was after um after Clash finish, mm-hmm. there was an advert paid for by WWF. Um, ah, yes. the um, paid by the minute.
1: Yes, that's right. Yes, they ran an advert um right after the Clash main event aired. Yeah, um, and the I believe they also ran an advert advertising WrestleMania on TBS or one of Turner's stations in the build up to the weekend, but didn't run any adverts. Advertising the show that it was going to air on their own TV station. It just it just baffles you, doesn't it? How these people can operate in this way. Obviously, we're looking back in hindsight, but uh, to me, that's that's an incredible thing. Um, what moments from the two shows, uh, mainly the Clash one, I suppose. What moments from both shows um, did you struggle with? Were there any matches you watched and thought, "Why this is"? this is very much off the time, this is not aged well or anything that you didn't enjoy particularly? Um, honestly, the a, lot, a
0: fair bit of the IC title match on uh, Mania, um, Rick Rude did a good job. Um, I'll, I'll say that much. Um, but Ultimate Warrior kind of seemed very kind of limited. Um, and I feel the Andre the Giant match was, um, I don't think it helped him at all. Um, because I think um, his health was kind of starting to break down at that point and um i feel putting him in a 10 minute match wasn't the best way to kind of make him look um like uh, like a monster but yeah it um,
1: didn't play into his strength it wasn't it?
0: no um and then finish to um steamboat and flair it wasn't bad um i, I think flair's Flair's foot was under the bottom row, and it looked mm-hmm. like he kind of had, um, he kind of was top of Steamboat after, um, after Steamboat went for the pin. But the, um, I think that was more like a fatigue. And I think you're going to get that sort of kind of confusion from viewers if you've just gone 55 minutes. Because I don't think you're going to have like the Strength Bridge or whatever after going nearly an hour in a fairly strenuous match. But yeah, um, I don't think there was there was too much that was bad. I think a lot of a lot of my criticisms kind of some of the stuff I wanted more of. So kind of um the Muto match was kind of it did it but I kind of wanted to see kind of more of it. Um
1: Yeah that's a that's a really good point. I agree. That's spot on, yeah.
0: And I kind of get the um the tag team title match that went on I think it was just before the main event, um Eddie Gilbert and Rick Steiner and uh, against Dan Spivey and Kevin Sullivan. And that, that only went um, three minutes 51.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I, I don't know, it kind of, it was okay. But um, I think it would have been cool if there was a bit more. Same with the um, the Junkyard Dog and Butch Reed match, which I, I really enjoyed it kind of. Um, I feel like I drew drew parallels to kind of like the modern kind of quote-unquote Hoss fight style that we get um, from a few places where like the like the opening exchange of striking and the um, kind of like the shoulder tackle attempts where got one guy's trying to take the other guy down and headbutt and stuff. It was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it, but yeah, it's just more
1: um, Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. it. Um, again, I suppose you look at the times, they've only got a set amount of time on television, of course, mm-hmm. uh, and flare Steamboat, two out of three falls in this, this era, you know, it's going to go long um so the rest of the card i suppose has to balance that out um you could have potentially taken a few minutes off the tag team opener i mean that was over 20 minutes and and put that elsewhere um did we really need to see ranger ross wrestle iron Sheik to a disqualification i don't think that was really necessary didn't have to see that on the card potentially you could have moved it around a little bit i guess um but listening to um jim ross's podcast uh, a while back, about this particular show, he actually said on there that they were running late, they were running long, and they were running out of time, um, television time. So that's why the U.S. title match between Eddie Gilbert, Rick Steiner, and the Varsity Club was cut very short. Uh, I think the Ranger Ross match might have, that originally they wanted it to go a bit longer as well. So in that, they, they had time issues there. But again, to me, that comes down to um, that comes down to organization. Surely, if you're running an event as big as this in this big arena um, that you're trying to put up against WrestleMania as your big stand against McMahon, surely these things need to be organised better. If that makes sense.
0: Absolutely, I think it's kind of that's kind of the detriment. Like they didn't organise it as well. I think they could have really Mm. pushed, um, really could have pushed in terms of like more in terms of like the success if they. Um, if they kind of prepared better and promoted it better, because in the day, if um, Steamboat Flare 2 and the first one ended on a roll up, and I think people, um, obviously I wasn't alive or anything, but um, <laughs> but yeah, I think people would have bought into that if they did the rematch two out of three falls to kind of stop that fluke element and be like, we've got all this stuff too, but then this is the main event and kind of promote that marquee match against marquee match, but yeah, organization mm. really was the detriment, I think.
1: Yeah, no, I I think you're spot on there. I think mean, that's that's a real, real good point. Um, with regards to the finish of the Flair Steamboat match, um, obviously they they went on to have the, the third match in in their trilogy, the sort of rubber match, I guess, um, at WrestleWar eighty nine, and the fact that Flair's foot was under the ropes was their way of kind of, going into that pay per view, extending the exchange one one more match again. Um, to make it into this trilogy. Um, And again, WrestleMania 89 is another fantastic match. I mean, all three of them, Flair and Steamboat matches are superb. I can watch them again and again and again. They're absolutely brilliant. Um, I mean, on that note, uh, as we sort of wind down a little bit here, um, what did you absolutely love from these shows? What was your, what was your favorite moments that you can potentially go back and watch again that maybe surprised you a little bit. If you could pick maybe one or two matches from either card,
0: um I so say the Strike Force um the Strike Force match was good. Um even if it was kind of a lot of people like thirties on kind of still well, would kind of think um that's like, the match where um Martel walked out. But yeah, I was enjoying that. Um I think it did a good job and obviously the main event was good from a storytelling perspective and it was different from um some of the Hogan matches I'd seen before it was kind of a lot of him was well but like he got a lot of effort offense in this change. And obviously, um, I'd say the opener and the closer for Clash was kind of the two matches that I'd really, really want to go back and watch.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, okay. Well, um, so overall, then, we're, 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 we'll go with uh, WrestleMania 5 first. Overall, using, I suppose, a bit of a Dave rip ripoff rating system. Would you give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down, or was it an average show in ge- in general? Looking at the whole show together.
0: Um, I'd say thumbs in the middle. Uh, the good stuff was good. The bad stuff was a fair bit bad. And um <laughs> I think if they I think if they trimmed the fat a little bit and kind of um kind of gave stuff a bit more time rather than like the tons of matches on the card. Say so if they limited it to like say um say so they cut that card in just about just over half, and had like eight or nine matches.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I think it would have been a definite thumbs up show. Um, and I think, um, Clash, oh no, sorry, sorry. that you give the
1: yeah, no, no, carry on. Yeah, the Clash show as well. I mean, what, what are your thoughts in, in a similar way? Thumbs up, thumbs down. What did you think? Was it an average show, good show, bad show? What are your thoughts?
0: Um, it was a, a one match show to say the least, but, but then yes. when that one match is as good as flare and steamboat was i think it kind of has to get a thumbs up but um the undercard was solid um the opener as mentioned was solid and um yeah i think um what would have made it better as we've already spoken about it's kind of like the organization the promotion stuff that kind of probably might have given things a bit more time rather than cutting it short
1: yeah yeah and i suppose if it was maybe Maybe if the, the the dome or arena was promoted better and it was full, or if the um, the the show was ran in a smaller venue and lit how you'd hope for a show of that time, it might have looked like more of a more of a spectacle, I guess, as well. Because WrestleMania very much was. Whereas in ring, I don't think the WrestleMania show can stand up to the class show. To watch, it's it's much more respectable. it's incredibly well lit the venue looks fantastic everyone's in their tuxes and so on whereas the the class show very much looks um it looks dated doesn't it even in comparison to the wrestlemania show that came out the same day one looks very modern 89 one looks very old 89 if, if i've explained that properly yeah okay i mean just so just so you're aware the uh the actual polls that they had at this time for the two shows, the WrestleMania show got 17% thumbs up, where the Clash show got 97% thumbs up. So I think they kind of agree with with your your sentiments there. But yes, very much a one-match show, but uh, very much that match carries that card. Um, Yeah, okay. Well, it's been really interesting talking about wrestling from many decades ago and looking at it through, you know fresh eyes from your standpoint and hearing your views on these two different very different companies at the time very different events and wrestling styles at the time, it's been really interesting hearing your views, going back and watching these um, well, the Wrestlemania show and then the Clash show for the first time, so thank you very much uh, for coming on and discussing those with me that's been great
0: Yeah, thank you for me, I was kind of expecting, um, well obviously you got in touch, well thank you very much for getting in touch in the first place and I was kind of glad that I motivation go more There's a lot of the recommended stuff it'll be um uh, well i of procrastination procrastinating mindset. Um but now I was kinda of like okay, I have to do it because I'm gonna come on the show and it's gonna be fun. And it really was it was fun. Um it was to be like introduced to like new wrestlers and I'll be um I'll be honest, this is kind of giving me the kick up the ass to go back and watch some um some of the the older NWAs kind of the characters were kind of like larger than life that you don't really see these days and the NWA of your still had that in a way like with the managers and stuff and the, yeah it's just um yeah it's just a really nice experience and I just want to thank you very much for kind of inviting me on and kind of give me the kick up the backside to um <laughs> go back and watch because I will I will go back and watch more stuff now that I've kind of dipped my foot in
1: the water so it's just... yeah great stuff great stuff there's loads there's loads there I mean some of it's brilliant some of it's not so much um I'll, there's a there's a character kevin nash plays called oz look out for him that'll be a special little treat for you um some of the guys who have already seen this will probably be chuckling away listening to this night because it is quite a sight uh, but before i let you go sir we need to run down and talk about your bin it, book it best if we can so i'll try and finish the show on something positive so we'll finish on your best so to start off um if we can have your bin it so something in wrestling past or present that you absolutely despise or are embarrassed by and just wish you could literally chuck it in the bin wipe it off the face of the earth
0: hmm. see this thinking um and i think it was so controversial when it happened um and this is kind of like just before i properly got hooked on wrestling but the um Victory Road incident as it's been dubbed, um from TNA. Victory Road two thousand and eleven and Jeff Hardy came out and um he really embarrassed himself. He was yeah, kind of yes. drunk and high. And um Sting had to pin him and this was on pay per view, let's not mm. forget, and people paid to watch Jeff Hardy versus Sting and it ended it in like two minutes or something. Um it just really wasn't comfortable and I really wished that kind of um As cool as it was seeing Jeff's redemption arc into CNA, I think it would have just been better if he came back and, well, if they just kind of wiped the slate clean and we had that really good match because it could have taken Jeff in such a different direction.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I agree. I I remember watching that myself and it was uncomfortable for the viewer seeing because you could obviously see something was wrong as as much as they tried to um, skirt around it, I suppose, you could see that there was definite issues there. And and it is good to see that uh, Jeff Hardy's in a much better place now Hopefully he can carry on that road. I mean, I wasn't a fan of the whole um, Sheamus storyline recently. You know, hinting towards his his demons as the as the WWE refer to them as. But uh, it's good to see him in a better place now because he is a very talented performer. Um, but yeah, that incident was was not great. I mean, even Sting, who's the like the the model professional, you could see was very very cross that day, you can you? Know, you could see it in his face. He was fuming. So yeah, no, that's a good shape. That's a good shape um okay next your your book it sir something that you watched and potentially think could have ended better or wish it had ended in a different way or or something like that
0: Hmm. Yeah. Th- again this has got this whole kind of concept got me thinking uh, nakamura versus aj stars from wrestlemania okay um first of all i think um i would have put it so nakamura would have won um and aj would have turned heel and I think that really would
1: have okay so like a, a complete heel, turnaround I then really,
0: yeah, I think it would have like, eliminated the low blow stuff which I, um, a lot of people complained about myself included um, I think it would have um, I think face Nakamura after, I think the reaction when you won the rumble kind of spoke for itself Um, if it kind of had Nakamura do like the handshake or whatever or AJ do like, not even a low blow or just like a hit from behind and then the stars clash and then that's the way you set up the rematch for the, the back and stuff i feel the feud was okay it was good um but i feel the angry heel aj would have worked so much better than what we got
1: yeah no i could see that that would have been very interesting very interesting i mean again nakamura aj fantastic talents to watch the, the, the stuff they do in the ring is right up my street that's the sort of that's sort of wrestling i like to see um, it would be very interesting to have seen a complete turn there wouldn't it with the the, the heel AJ babyface Nakamura that would have been really interesting to see what they could have done with those two at that time in those different roles um, yeah no I, I I can see that that's, that's really really interesting um, and finally to finish on something very positive sending us all home Smiley your best your absolute favourite it could be a Wrestler, a promotion, a match you go back to, um your your best please.
0: Okay, um I know I said on talk at the table. Um well I think I said I don't talk at the table. Yeah. Um but Keith Lee is just the best. Um, I think it's been funny kind of seeing how people on like Twitter and stuff and um whatnot have reacted to his kind of debut, but I think he's he's so Brilliant at everything. He's um kind of he. I think he's just like the total package. I think I like, I could buy him as a WrestleMania main eventer. Like he can, the Spirit Bomb is so it looks so cool. And, um, he really understands like the weight behind his words, and um, he's he's a good promo. And I think um, like even the pounce is just it's so visually kind of it really gets a reaction out of me every time. I think he's just really really great and people should just put behind that but no his music's bad or because he's such a talent and i think more people need to pay attention to that because he is absolutely stellar
1: yeah yeah i agree again i agree again a good show um uh, i hadn't seen a great deal of him um until recent months uh he's obviously been around for for a little while in NXT, um but it was more recent time in NXT that I've seen him obviously beating Cole for the championship and so on. Um, The whole thing about him coming up to the main roster and people complaining about his music and his ring attire and so on. People just like to have something to gripe about, don't they? I mean, it's such small details. Um, It's such small little tiny things that people moan about. And I agree. You need to get behind these guys because the amount of call-ups from NXT to I suppose the main roster, for want of a better term, that have gone belly up or have not been—they've not been used correctly. Uh, and I mean, you, you're seeing you guys like EC3 being released and, and so on. So many of these have gone wrong uh, over years, not just recently. Years and years. You really hope that they don't drop the ball with Keith Lee as well, because this guy's got star quality written all over him. He could be an absolute star an absolute main event or he could be something really special as long as they don't get the usual nxt call-up experience with him and it, it, it sort of nosedives as it has done with other people that we thought were going to be stars if that makes sense yeah
0: i think the issue is like as well with them being in the internet age you know obviously wwe kind of get a lot of their feedback through um the internet so say they click on the wwe raw hashtag on a monday and they see people complaining about Keith Lee and they won't just see it as like, oh, Keith Lee's music's bad or Keith Lee's entrance is bad. Then people will see it as kind of, oh, we don't like Keith Lee. So they're going to kind of drop the ball with him a little bit um, until that kind of reaction changes and then they'll probably they could always go back to it later on. I think we we as fans need to kind of show them that we are on board with Keith Lee as much as they're on
1: board with Keith Lee because he's, he's the best. Yeah, okay. And um, on that note, with your little rally call your little call to arms for keith lee there comrade I'll, I'll let you get off and enjoy the rest of the, your evening and um, before you depart tell us a little bit about where everyone can find you on uh on the old interweb whether it's the twitter Facebooks, and so on um just uh basically your chance to plug yourself
0: okay um so you can find me on twitter at el compacto new um that is e-l-c-o-m-p-a-c-t-o-n-e-w-t um and that is kind of where i can you random opinions on music or I promote my work or um, I just want to have a chat with people about wrestling. That's that's what we're all there for. Um and you can follow my website, uh, Chops Kicks and Nearfalls. Um we're doing some we've got some really cool stuff lined up um and, and announcements coming this week so you should go follow on um at CK Nearfalls. Um I don't think you'll regret it but that's bias. <laughs> and, and thank you mate for having <laughs> me on the show.
1: No, no, thank you. No, honestly, the pleasure's been all mine. Thank you very much for coming on. It's always interesting for me talking to different people from different places, different age groups and and so on about different types of wrestling because everyone has a different opinion. People like different things uh, and that's what I find absolutely fascinating. Um, So talking about a pay-per-view that happened, what are we on, 31 years ago? Or two pay-per-views, sorry, that happened 31 years ago um, and having someone as young as yourself but also as intelligent as yourself viewing it for the first time hearing your opinions on this event that i've watched over and over again purely because of the steamboat flare match hearing your views on this contest i've watched so many times is is fascinating to me so thank you very very much for coming on um and hopefully at some stage we'll have you back on to discuss some more maybe some more nwa absolutely it's been an absolute pleasure so
0: thank you very much again
1: No problem. Thank you very
0: much, mate. Cheers.